welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. And on this week's podcast, I'm joined by Tom Doc Sullivan, the well-known guide and fly angler uh, based around Cornamona and the north of Loch Carrib. I had the pleasure of fishing with Tom for the first time a couple of years back, and I was meant to get out with him again this time around March, April, but unfortunately because of COVID, that was knocked on the head. So instead, I decided to talk to Tom about how he got into fly fishing and a guiding life and how difficult it has been with the cancellations of recent weeks and what his plans are for the coming season. I also spoke to Tom about what his favourite type of fly fishing is, and you can really hear the passion come to the fore when he describes to me his love of nighttime buzzer fishing and how special it really is for him. Get in contact with Tom on tomduck.com and he's a great man to take you out and, and really show you the ropes. So without further ado, here's Tom Doc Sullivan talking about his guiding career and life in fly fishing. But I first asked him about how he has been hit by the COVID crisis. Like everybody else in Ireland, are really affected badly by the COVID, unfortunately, and that's the way it's been. It's um, it's his, his every aspect of life throughout the country. And with regards to me, I mean, all my bookings now are gone until the end of May. And probably, I personally, I can't see myself guiding until July at the earliest. And I, I am talking to a couple of other lads. I think that could even be optimistic at that stage. But, you know, that's, that's the way it is. And, um, you know, there's plenty of people in a bad state on account of this. So you know, that's just somebody else. And Tom, are bookings being cancelled for their foreseeable future? Yeah, I've had a couple of guys, regular clients on now, and they've actually pushed back till September. Uh, unfortunately, I had uh, one group of guys, and it was uh, Keith from Tunbridge Wells, Keith Nicholson, and it would have been his 30th year on the trot this year. And yeah, his 30th anniversary, and unfortunately, he's had to cancel. But um, so he can't make it, and he can't make it later on the year, although he has said he intends to come over to the fly fair. So he's going to bring a couple of guys over to the fly fair on Galway. So hopefully that'll be uh, going ahead as well. We don't know, but um, that's that's well out in November. So yeah, unfortunately Keith can't make it. A um, couple of guys were on earlier on about thinking of coming over and everything before the lockdown. Uh, but uh, that's when the lockdown happened and when the seriousness of the COVID hit home. Uh, that 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 stopped. No, you know, people aren't wanting to travel and just don't want to. Just don't want. To. Is it strange seeing the lake and the roads so quiet now? Yeah, it's, it's very funny to see quiet, see the roads over quiet, the, the whole thing, you know. Uh, the lake is quiet. And yeah, it's. I think well, everybody getting that, that feeling. I mean, like when we go to do the shopping locally, you know, the, uh, the towns and villages, just eerie. Yeah, it's strange, you know, it's... Mayfly time, that's, that's when it'll really hit home, I'm sure. It's really going to hit home then because Mayfly time here and on the carb is, is carnival time. Um, you know, it's uh, Mayfly madness. Um, now, I know it's um, still a month away, but I think with the way that everything is happening and the lockdown, it's, there'll, be no, there'll be no carnival this year, unfortunately. But, um, you know, so it's, going to be, it's going to be very strange. But, like, you talk to people... Uh, outside of fishing, within fishing, you know, the general consensus is it's just strange times. I tell you what, Tom, let's chat some more about the actual fishing itself. Hopefully brighten our day a bit. How was last season for you? Uh, well, last year, for example, uh, early in the season, quite good. We did decent enough Mayfly, but I had one of my best summer seasons last year from July, August through to through to September. 
had some fantastic fishing. Now, a lot of that has to do with weather conditions and that we got good, uh, I, I call it good conditions. Most people would call it really bad weather for the summer. Uh, but uh, in that we had um, good windy days, good bit of cloud cover, a bit of rain. Uh, yeah, I had some fantastic fishing. And just to, to wet fly fishing, like as as we'd say around here in Irish, the Shanval, the old way, the old style. And some cl- really good, good quality fish. And plenty of action, just fishing, pulling wets, traditional style on the shallows and also as well out in the deeps as well. And what about fishing though in recent years? How's it been holding up? It, it Look, we're, we, we are completely, we're slaves to the weather conditions, right? If you get proper conditions and right hatches, the fishing can be as good, like it can be as good as anything or go before. I mean, all right, uh, I've kept a diary from when I started fishing. And right, I can go back, woo, like I can go back 40 years now because I was keeping a diary, I started keeping a diary when, and, uh, when I turned, just when I turned 12, 13. And basically, it can vary from year to year. I mean, some of the best fishing I had was in the late 90s. And, but then again, a couple of years ago, I had one of my best Mays ever. Um, I had a fantastic September fishing in the early 2000s, a really bad September fishing. And then in the last couple of years, I think two years ago, the September fishing was absolutely amazing again. You know, it varies. I mean, you look, I mean, I love old angling literature and particularly Irish literature. You know, the Kingsville Moor who wrote the classic. Uh, a man may fish. If you actually look at that, he talks about he comes to Corb in September, ten years in the trot. And like, I think you can check it. The best day he ever had in September was nine fish. Okay, you know, and I know definitely. I mean, that would you're talking there. That's between the 1920s and the 1930s. I know definitely in the. At the end of the 90s and a couple of years ago, I had days uh, where I had more than that number of fish and clients had more than that number of fish in the boat. So, you know, it, it, it does it does fluctuate. There are so many factors. Are you concerned about the effects of climate change in the environment, for example? Oh, yeah, I, I would be concerned. I mean, you'd be concerned uh, about things like that, the seasons all over the place. You'd be concerned about other factors such as pollution, water quality, uh, fish biomass in the water. You know, I mean, there's, you know, you look at 1920s, 1930s, there was fewer species of fish in the carb than there are now. Uh, there's so many other factors. Yeah, but uh, the only thing I do think the trout is a great survivor, you know, and it suffers even 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 in adversity. It still manages to to exist, you know, and if, if things go right for it, certain factors go right for it, they will prosper. So that's what keeps us going out there. You started a fishing diary when you were 12. So you were already taking your fishing seriously at that age. Yeah, I was, yeah. One of the reasons I started doing a diary was, uh, I remember um, I was hearing from, I think it was, um, oh God, it wasn't my dad, no. It was somebody else, and they were saying, oh, how the fishing, because Pa used to go on about how the fishing used to always be better. Actually, he was a lot better than that. And then I found diaries uh, belonging to my mum's dad. And while there was some fantastic bags, he all he did was dab, dab, and he did a bit of trolling. But um, you know, there was bags there of you know, seventeen trout and whatnot. But then as you go through the whole diary, I looked, you know, there was days one trout, no trout, three trout, you know, 
And then I realized, God, you know, they, they didn't catch a dozen trout every time they went out. I was led to believe that. So, yeah. So, you know, I'm very worried. It's a bit like the, the old thing that, you know, you remember your school days were the best days of your life. Because, uh, you know, you, you, your memory becomes selective and you only remember the, the really good things. So, like, once again, yeah, once again with angling literature, I'm up there. I'm just looking at locks and lock fishing. I'm actually looking at it now by Hamish Stewart. And the opening page, you saw about fishing in Scotland, and there's a plate beside him. There's a basket of, like, it's like it's like a fish kill, salmon and sea trout. And But he, the opening line is, there's no doubt in my mind that the fishing in Loch Hall was far superior 30 years ago than what it is now. And that was written in 1900. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> So for that reason, for that reason, yeah, I decided to keep a diary. And uh, just going back on my own diary, you know, seasons change. Everything fluctuates, goes up and down. You're dealing with a natural resource. And tell me, how did you get into guiding? Was it something that you wanted to make a career out of? It's hard to know. Uh, it's something I more or less fell into rather than something I actually made a really conscious decision about. Uh, I started guiding when I was about 20, 25, 26, but part-time. And um, might have been a bit younger. Yeah, basically that's what it was. I just come back. I'd done a bit of small bit of traveling, and I just came back and got an opportunity to make a few quid, and sort of followed through from that. I was doing it part time, then I went at it full time, and basically everything followed on from that. So yeah, uh, to say was it a conscious decision? I couldn't really say it was. I don't think it was. Maybe subconsciously it was. <laughs> Do you know? Maybe it's, you know, because I was doing something that I really enjoyed and been involved with something I really liked. And, um, yeah, I just ended up doing it. And how did you make a full-time living out of fly fishing? Yeah, I mean, it's, I I think what happened was once I'd gotten into the guiding, I had to realize, well, how am I going to make a living out of this? And you realize that, you know, just in guiding itself alone, you probably won't. And to get other means and methods, whereas where you can do it, and that's always been the case. Now, I've been a guide all the time. I have worked for some fishing tackle farms. I was uh, seven years covering Ireland for Hardy and Hardy and Grace. And in the last couple of years, I've had agencies as well for uh, a couple of UK uh, fishing tackle manufacturers. And I'm still uh, still the agent with uh, Full Mill Flies for Ireland. Uh, so, you know, it's it's been a case of um, having a lot of arrows in your quiver you know and things like that and as i said a bit of farming as well whatnot. is it hard going yeah it is i mean it is i mean it has to be because it's it's not a choice you make uh you know for monetary monetary return because you know it's um you don't make a huge amount in it i mean what you pay for a guide in, in ireland is probably in comparison to what you pay for a guide throughout throughout the world is is pennies um i was in new zealand uh a year last january and what a guy gets there compared to what a guy gets in ireland is a huge difference i mean you're talking guide in new zealand gets between 450 to 500 um 400 euros to 500 520 euros a day there are places uh where you'd probably get guides cheaper maybe in other parts of the world, but um, as a rule for for wild wild trout fishing, um, what you're paying for guys in Ireland is is generally below what the average is. 
just leaving it as wild trout fishing. I suppose if you're into the free market, you could argue that the fr- the price you know dictates you know the price will the price will find itself. <laughs> so you know, I mean that's that's economics. So, but um, I got onto this by you know was it a, a lifestyle choice? Yeah, it has. You know, I mean I'm able to do something that I really enjoy as you know as part of my as part of my livelihood and for that i'm all, all, always grateful been very lucky to, to to have done what i do and very lucky to do what i do um yeah as people i mean i often get it said to me you know when i'll be going out on the lake clients would look around and they go this is a lovely office to have time and it's very true you know very true do you think the COVID crisis has given us all a chance to maybe sit back and reflect on our choices in life and where we're going and want to be yeah, discussing that, and you you mentioned that, and I've been talking to a couple of buddies here about it. You know, um, maybe be a good thing. I should say a good thing that may come out of this COVID is a reassessment that we don't always have to be going hell for leather. You know, and giving you know one hundred percent for everything. You know, it's amazing when we sit back down and actually have a chance to think about things that you know. What are we doing a lot of this toing and froing for? But that's the beauty of fly fishing, isn't it? it? It it gives us the chance to step back from it all. Yeah, well, you see, that's the thing. Fly fishing is 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 a different thing to so many people, and it's what you can get on. That's one of the beauties of it, I think. Are you know, to some people, it's exactly as you say, and to uh, you know, it's something you just sit back and uh, take your time with. And then to other people, it's, you know, there are some people who do like to go one hundred percent of it. But you know, as long as they get their enjoyment out of it, and they're not. Um, annoying anybody else shall we say that's great it's you know it's what you can gain for it, gain from it for yourself but generally I, I would agree with you yeah i mean a lot of it is just sitting back and enjoying it there's a sort of a reappraisal about what we're doing and so hopefully hopefully if any good comes out of this scourge i'll call it at the moment um it might be that you know that we just i think maybe more people want to go fishing than that <laughs> So when do you think you'll be back out in the water? As I said to you, as I said to you there, I don't think I'll be out guiding uh, before before July. I really don't. Uh, now things may change. We don't know. So I, you know, I can't say anything for definite. But you know, talking to talking to people in general and just well, my own feelings is going to be July at the earliest. I think um, all the people who have to travel for me uh, for May have already cancelled. A uh, couple of Irish people still, but like, well, I, I'm as I said to you, I'll probably be cancelling them now shortly. It's just, you know, you've got to, you know, people, you know, there's lockdown in place, there are travel restrictions, and, you know, government have put in a, play, a thing, non essential travel, don't do it. And that's the way it is at the moment. We don't know for how long that's going to be, but let's, let's everybody stick to what they're saying. And, you know, if people stick to these guidelines that are put in place, then it shouldn't be a problem. And, they, you know, listen, heed the government. Uh, that's all I'll say. Uh, leaving the fishing aside, just on the core of a thing, let's, you know, we have experts in place. And, you know, if we heed the advice they give us so far, so good. It's, well, I won't say so far, so good, but we seem to be avoiding the huge curve that they predicted. So if that's the way, or the huge bump, um, you know, let's heed the advice non essential travel, don't do it, and um, stay at home. And hopefully, hopefully then we could all be fishing by July. And I'd like that too. <laughs> and when does the season start for you tom generally start generally my i used to i used to bring people out from the opening day of the season february the 15th uh fly fishing but to be honest yeah i really stopped doing that because you don't know what you're gonna get 
So unless it's unless it's regular clients, we just want a day out. But um, February, mid February to mid March, you really don't know what the conditions are going to throw at you. You generally don't have a hatch of fly, so you know you're just pulling either wets or pulling lures. Um, so it's for somebody who's just coming to the car for the first time, it's not a great time to try it. It can be good. Don't get me wrong. It can be good. And I've had some fantastic fishing that time of the year. But generally, I prefer it's the middle of Paddy, around middle of March, around Paddy's Day. There's a good chance there's going to be a few early duck fly. And once you have a few fly around, gives you gives you a chance for uh, whatever the conditions are thrown at you. So from then on, so generally from Paddy's Day right on, and I'm busy then from mid-March, April, and May. They're the two and a half months. They're really busy. Uh, first part of June can often be good. But um, then, unless we're at the Canis, which um, I don't bother too too much with, but that that'll go on to June. But uh, back then, for more July, August, September, as I said, the last couple of years have been very good, very good for that. What's your favorite time of the year? I I, I think the it's always been probably the duck fly time and Paddy's Day. But I, I think, yeah, the reason I put it down to that is because you've waited so long to see fish moving. And finally, you see fish moving again. And it just, you know, it, it floats my boat. <laughs> you know, just to get out again and see, yeah, yeah, to see fish moving. It's sort of like, and it's sort of the reawakening. Everything's going to happen again. You're into an, another cycle. It's just that, you know, everything's ahead of you. Yeah, so that that's part of it. But, you know, every every fly hatch, every other time has its, has its uh, plus points as well, you know. I love all of them, but I think it's the duck fly because we're starting off. Tell me a bit more about that mystique around fishing the Canis hatch. Yeah, well, one of the reasons this part of the carb that we're at up here doesn't get great hatches of Canis as compared to the the lower carb, okay? Uh, well, we're like, not exactly the lower carb, but down, let's say, if, if you drew a line across from, let's say, through our to greenfields down there. So, uh, now I do do it up here, and you will occasionally get good hatches, but because you're starting early in the morning, uh also as well the extra bit of travel from where i am um just means very 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 early start uh so uh, i'll do it myself and i fish it myself but it's a thing i don't bother doing with uh with clients it's, it's testing it's fascinating it's it's brilliant fishing it's brilliant fishing when you get it right it comes together it's 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 it is amazing what's the allure to it really well, I think one of the nicest parts of it is actually the time of day that you're going out. You know, going out from dawn, going out, and um, it's a beautiful time of the day to be out in the lake. Uh, and then if you get the conditions right and the canis, uh, the canis are hatching around, um, the fish can really go on them and go on them in big pods movement. And so it, it, you have the thrill of the, the hunt as well as you're getting the pod, but you getting at the pod and covering them um, and competing with a plethora of naturals out there. So whether they'll take yours or not. And yeah, and it's just, it's just really is fun. And it is really, you've got to get everything right. You can't spook them very easily spook because you, you're looking at conditions where it's very still. That's what you want, very still. And you have to situate yourself, situate yourself in the boat right uh work as a team one person fishing at a time if there's two of you uh you know it's it's not your classic uh <laughs> uh traditional wet fly stuff you know you're flying down you know i use i use um a five weight rod down to six seven x to tip it 
and you know completely different equipment um now fit because i mean patterns that i'm using are size 18 size 20 so you cannot put a normal uh six pound tippet and through it um so generally i'm down finding down to three uh, i i use the set the diameter ratio that's what i use so 6x 7x so if you're using very fine tippet like that you cannot use uh, um, a stiff or a strong rod a seven weight rod will snap that uh, tippet like elastic so you need a much more forgiving rod so on the take that there's given it that you won't break uh, your fine tippet is that your favorite type of dry fly fishing dry fly fishing for me is like i love my nighttime buzzer fishing nothing that's that's my favorite i mean you asked me there what's my favorite i love as i said i love all all types but i just the nighttime dry but dry fly buzzer um fishing i just love the mitre buzzer i absolutely adore that um i like that as it's getting darker and your senses all change and the other senses kick in as you lose the power i won't say the power but as you lose uh, um you know the amount of uh, sight that you have how the others kick in how your hearing kicks in that's fantastic. I, I really like that. And, you know, to fish uh, to fish by sound. You know, you hear the fish moving out in front of you and you have to gauge where he is. Now, I mean, you might hear me talking about it now. That, that's, that, to me, that's the essence of it. I mean, to each their own. I mean, that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of the lake. That's the beauty of fly fishing. I mean, that, without doubt, is my, that's my favourite one. Tell me more about it. What, what time of year, for example? Uh, generally end of April to the end of May it's a buzzer that we call the mito buzzer here uh, basically it starts hatching at around half nine in the evening uh, hatch will come on about coming quick fast about ten o'clock and it's a very quick cycle they hatch back on top of the water uh, they'll occasionally ball where there's one female and quite a few males and it's called a bowling buzzer it doesn't happen all the time and they'll be in clumps on top of the water and to about half 11 to 12 it starts petering off again uh there are other lakes all right we'll go on later but i just know from my experience here with the carbon mask is generally uh the optimum time is probably half 10 to half 11 it's oh it's fantastic it's it really just i just love it i tell you it's the only thing to do oh yeah and sometimes what i'll often do is you try and get the boat situated where you're looking into the gloaming so you're casting into the gloaming that's where the sun is set because it's the last bit of light you can get and you can just make out the rise form just about make out the rise form it's fab that sounds amazing tom can't wait to try it myself so fingers crossed for next year yeah that's, that's, and, there'll, and there'll be loads there and there'll be loads because there was none no no they weren't they weren't disturbed this year at all tom it's been brilliant talking to you as usual we didn't get to meet up on the lake this year so far so fingers crossed for it for later in the year or Definitely for the uh, the nighttime buzzer fishing in uh, 2021. Thanks again, Tom. No, my pleasure. My pleasure, Daniel. Thank you very much. And listen, uh, take care of yourself in these strange times. And hopefully, we the line we were meant to wet for doing this, we'll, we, we will wet it. We will. So that's it for this week's episode of the Ireland on the Fly podcast. My thanks to Tom Doc Sullivan uh, for talking to me this week and a really engaging character and fantastic fisherman to boot as well. So thanks again to Tom. I'll be back next week for more about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. So do join me then and also subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a show. I'm also on IrelandOnTheFly.com and on Instagram at IrelandOnTheFly. So do keep in touch and thanks for listening.